A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here, James Benj of course joining me as well, which can mean only one thing, it is time for this week's Inside Arsenal Extra Time, the second one of the international break and James, how are you feeling about the Premier League's return this weekend? So incredibly relieved, I mean I, I've had like a few days off uh, and even so like you kind of come back from a bit of vacation and you're just like, you know, sort of like, um, what's his name, John Travolta walking into the party and sort of Pulp Fiction being like, where, where is everyone? Has anything happened? Like, it seems like football has actually really just stopped, except the Everton deduction and the South American qualifiers and all that. But weird, quiet time for football, which, like, I don't remember in the last three, four, five years. This has been the worst one of the lot, I think. At the three mm. so far this season, this one's been a real drag. I think it didn't help that the two England games were beyond beyond awful I mean it was so bad and obviously in this country a lot of focus on England during the international mm. break and um yeah they were so terrible so it was not even any sort of relief from the lack of Premier League by you know through England you think of the last international break there was a really good game against Italy that they won at Wembley mm. um it was a lot of fun to watch but these two were so bad and I think that just added to it all and yeah it's been a long old grind but but at the time of recording this we are what just over 48 hours away from Arsenal versus Brentford, and uh, well, Brentford versus Arsenal, should I say, and a really, really big game, important game for Arsenal, especially with what's going to happen in a few hours beforehand. Mm. Really, really big weekend for the Premier League season. So we'll talk about that. I think there's lots of interesting sort of storylines sort of moving around that that Brentford game. Of course, Aaron Ramsdale coming in oh, yeah. for his uh, first, uh, I was going to say first Premier League start of the season, but it's not, but uh, first Premier League start for, for, for a fair while. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, should he start after playing full 90 minutes from Brazil, which we'll talk about during the international break. We've got a, a fun little quiz that I'm going to put you I'm through ter- as well. Thanks to, uh, thanks to William Saliba giving me an idea ahead of this one. And got some comments and questions from our viewers as well. So, uh, so yeah, lots to talk about. Where did you go on holiday, by the way? Or where did you go? Anywhere nice uh, for your little break? Sh- Shrewsbury in Shropshire. Um, Shrewsbury. 
Shrewsbury. Is it Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury? It's not Shrewsbury. Um, I, I mean, I could go into a lengthy story about this, but yeah, family. Uh, I mean, sh- if you're from the posh t- side of town, it's Shrewsbury. Uh, if you're from the rough side of town, it's Shrewsbury, uh, which is where my sort of family originally from. Uh, and if you're from outside Shrewsbury, it's Shrewsbury. Um, uh-huh. Lovely, lovely town. If anyone's looking for a little day trip, it's quite away from London, but uh, family grew up there. Great memories of the game, Edo. Nigel Jempson scoring two goals uh, to knock Everton out of the FA Cup in the third round. Um, it was nice inflicting sort of all those stories on my uh, on my fiance. Uh, good to get away from uh, the football. And happily, I was off on the day that the Everton news dropped, so I didn't even have to like think too much about that. I remember Arsenal playing Shrewsbury. In about in the... 1991, 92, okay. around that, it was a really, really foggy game. Like a game where mm. you think that's going to get called off. I didn't go, but my dad went and I think he dragged my mum along to it. To the, it was, to the game Edo? Away. Yeah, it was 1-0 and I think it was I think it was Nigel Winterburn scored an absolute yes. summer in the second half. Someone scored a really long range shot. It might be Mickey Thomas. No, was it Nigel? What, one of the two scored. And it's just uh, vivid memories of just a really foggy game that was really funny to look at on TV. And uh, my mum and dad were sort of standing there on the terraces. And I remember my dad saying, you literally couldn't see what's going on. You're standing there. And, uh, it's, I, a, it's a great ground. I mean, I thought you were going to talk about the, the 3-1 win in, uh, I've got to Google this, 2011, where, where Yossi Ben Ayoun scored. I mean, that, for me, is the is the real Arsenal-Shewsbury clash. I don't even remember that. Uh, Ignace El Parchu Young played. There you go. And Marouane Shamak up top. I'm surprised they actually beat Shrewsbury. Who scored? Gibbs, Oxlade Chamberlain, Benny Yoon, uh, and James Collins scored for Shrewsbury. Uh, Shrewsbury Town, who took a 16th minute lead. Uh, Kieran Gibbs pe- pegging them back in the 33rd minute. I don't remember that game at all. Literally no <laughs> recollection of that match whatsoever. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about slightly bigger games than uh, Shrewsbury versus Arsenal in the League Cup. And, and Arsenal versus Brentford is one of those this weekend at a ground where obviously Arsenal have terrible memories of the first game, mm. Brentford's first game. But they've put those to bed somewhat. A 3-0 win there last season, a 1-0 win there this season in the League Cup already tucked under their belts. And, um, you know, going into this one on the back of the win just before the international break, which will be a help. And I think, do you think what's going to happen earlier on in the day in that City versus Liverpool game is going to have much of an impact in this one in terms of how Arsenal potentially approach it? Or is it is going to be a case to just put that one out of the mind and just focus purely on the game in front of them? Yeah, I, I feel probably not. Like, when the reverse fixture, yeah, yeah. But I mean, definitely, I think when the reverse fixture comes around, I don't know who, like who or when. Those are the games that, you know, I mean, we remember, don't we? I mean, it was the Everton-Man City game is the one that that stands out for me. But everyone at the club, I'm sure everyone in the dressing room couldn't help but sort of keep an eye on everything that City were doing. I mean, obviously, they will be aware of it. And I'm Mm. certain they will be rooting for the draw um, because that would open up the chance to go top of the table. But it is sort of far out enough, isn't it, that, that I think Arteta shouldn't find it too hard to just sort of tell them, park that focus on what you've got to do and I mean ever since that first game against Brentford I think one Arsenal have dealt with the specific challenges of Brentford quite impressively Um, and I do think there's I mean needle would be the wrong word and that's sort of faded but I do still think you know when you talk to, to people around Arsenal 
there's a lot of bad memories about that opening game and a lot of a sense of sort of aggrievement about kind of how the process went beforehand, how they were spoken about after the game. And I always think they sort of, when these games roll around, Arsenal look at this as a sort of chance to say, no, look, we're going to show you that we're physical enough for the battle. We're technically strong enough that we can go to this ground and 5.30 on a Saturday, it's going to be buzzing. It's going to be a lot more like that opening opening game of the, 2021 or whatever season 21 22 season um then it is sort of the last time we were there in the league cup where i think no one really cared i think arsenal will will go to this ground and and they will for a long time while Mikel arteta is in charge desperate to have their own personal nice kick about with the boys yeah weird it's a tnt sports game at 5 30 on a saturday that's (sighs) weird normally that's normally that's sky isn't it 5 30 i thought tnt always had the early game on a saturday but it's so is this about I think obviously Sky first dibs can hardly blame them picking Man City Liverpool, mm. but then that one was the was um, either I guess Greater Manchester Police said we don't think this game should kick off at half five. Oh, that is it. Yeah, that thing. is it. Yeah, so the, the order got flipped, and um, obviously Sky are not going to kind of hand that that one over to to TNT. So. Yeah, because I just saw yeah. the promo on Twitter for TNT, and it surprised me because I just didn't think it was on it, and then I saw the promo, and it was. They were sort of billing it around the whole nice kickabout with the boys. Of course they were. Plays, which, uh, they, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was kind of built. None, none of the Arsenal players said it, but they, they uh, TNT sort of put it up in text around and it was, yeah, it was all sort of built around that. Um, trying to recapture that Abamyang magic, aren't they? Yeah. Well, Every Gabriel's done it twice, game. isn't he? I think he's tweeted it twice after the wins, the last couple of wins. Gabriel's come out and tweeted it. But I think we kind of need to move on from that a little bit. It was a while ago. Um, yeah, but it's going to be an interesting one. Like we know what's going to, what sort of game Brentford are going to bring. We know what their strengths are. You know, set pieces, long throws into the box. I, Arsenal struggled massively on that night uh, a couple of seasons ago to mm. deal with that. We know that, but they're so much better now at dealing with that sort of threat and those sort of tactics. Um, you know, I don't think Arsenal are going to fear, you know, Brentford throwing the ball into the box and that sort of that sort of thing. No, because good as they are at set pieces, when you don't have Ivan Tony. Um, when you don't have David Raya launching balls long to Ivan Tony, when you don't have Rico Henry, I I don't want anyone to watch this and think I don't think Brentford are a really good team because their results bear that out. But I, it's quite weird. I don't know how much you've watched of them, but they're still a quite a long ball team. But they're hitting the ball long to Buemo and uh, Johan Wisser, who are kind of no one's idea of forwards that are going to dominate Tony. I mean, uh, uh, dominate Saliba like like Tony did. Not just you know in that two-two draw that shouldn't have been, um, so it's going to be a different sort of test where Gabriel and Saliba are going to need to show some recovery pace, good movement, um, be able to sort of cover the space in behind, and it'll be a big test. And I know we're going to come on to him for Aaron Ramsdale as well. Can you be aggressive enough behind your defence so that when those balls are hit into space for Mbwemo and and Wissa to attack, you're there first? that side of it's going to be a, a real challenge and yes like you say set pieces they are they're still an enormous threat always will be when you kind of have players like um ben me christopher yeah to aim at so i would be i mean I, I certainly wouldn't take it for granted i saw opta have the sort of win odds at like 40 percent for arsenal 35 percent for brentford so mm-hmm. like good get good team tough test great chance i think to uh to get some momentum going for, for more favorable fixtures to come yeah, I'm looking at it. Their home record this season in the league, it's played six. They've only won two, they've drawn three, lost one, scored 12, 
conceded 10. So it's been a bit sort of hit and miss at home. They might be a better away team. Like, given the way they play, they might, you know, the long ball came to to suit away, doesn't it? Yeah, so they're they're 11th in the Premier League home table this season uh, and then 9th in the away table. So doing slightly better on their travels than they are at home. I forgot that it's Villa versus Spurs this weekend as well, isn't it? So if Arsenal can get the three points, it's a big opportunity to certainly pull away or open up a bit of a gap over at least a couple of the teams in and around them in the... um, in the uh, table you mentioned Aaron there and it is of course going to be a big a big day for uh, for Aaron Ramsdale's gonna be a lot of eyes on him Mikel's press conference is tomorrow and I imagine a large chunk of that press conference at 9 30 is going to surround Aaron his position what his dad had to say during the international break um it's going to be interesting to hear what Mikel has to say um at the press conference tomorrow and I think the one thing we know about Ramsdale is that he's not going to be phased by all eyes being on him at the mm. weekend. You know, if anything, it might help him. We heard his comments during the international break about um, sort of struggling almost to maintain focus for 90 minutes. And, yeah. um, you know, if anything's going to make sure he's very, very focused this weekend, it's the fact that he knows that everyone's going to be watching him. Everyone's going to be seeing how he reacts, how he performs. He's definitely going to be copping some flack from the Brentford fans. He did in the League Cup game. He gave it back to them. He perform- He produced a really good performance, got himself a clean mm. sheet. Um, and I'm sure he's going to get more flack from him in this game as well. And there's going to be lots of David Raya chants aimed at him. So, uh, But I don't have any worries about him. I don't know about you, but you know, I think he's going to stand up to it. And, and um, you know, if anything, it's going to inspire him. Yeah, no worries about the sort of performance he'll deliver. I suppose the intriguing thing for, for him is... Is there any world where this can sort of change the trajectory of, of you know, the goalkeeper position at Arsenal? Is there anything he can do, given that you've probably got this game and maybe if Arsenal beat Lons on, on Wednesday, you'd have the final Champions League group game to, to make a point? Because, you know, I, I still think and get the impression that he would like to just be Arsenal's number one above all else. I mean, that's clearly what, his father's comments were sort of aiming at as well, weren't they? I don't think Aaron Ramsdale's immediate response to losing his starting place was get me out of here. It was, mm. you know, how can I be Arsenal's number one again? The sort of challenge is like when you've got the defence in front of you that, that he will have, you know, you might end up with next to nothing beyond the, your passing where you can, make your case to Mikel where you can, you know, kind of make your case to the fans as well and turn this into a real debate. You know, Ramsdale will kind of be wanting to have a sensational shot stopping game, but if you've got Saliba and Gabrielle ahead of you, they don't they tend not to come along very often. No, well, I didn't concede many shots today, Arsenal, no. at the moment. I think that's the, the stats this season are showing that. But to be fair, they did last time out at Brentford in the League Cup. He mm. did have to, you know, he played very, very well, made at least a couple of really eye-catching saves in that one. If um, he had that game again, given that Raya's been good without being great, do you think that would do anything to the, the whole? No. No, I don't. I don't. I think David Raya's Arsenal's number one. I, I can't. I'd be very surprised no matter what Ramsdale does in games, that, that he would change Mikel's thinking. I think the only thing that would change Mikel's thinking is David Raya. If he suddenly mm. had a 10-game spell where he was just dropping clangers left, right and mm. centre and 
I think that might change it. I think it's more what Raya does rather than what, what Ramsdale does. But, you know, Arteta knows what Ramsdale can do. He's seen it. Ramsdale mm. hasn't made many that many errors since he's been at Arsenal. So I don't think it's down to him. I think it's more down to, to David Raya to give away the number one spot now. Mm. Agreed. I completely agree. Which is a shame for Ramsdale, I guess. But, you know, all he can do is 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 show those qualities. And I think we've seen them against even in that defeat to West Ham where he had a bit of an off shot stopping game. I thought we saw some of the the things that we know that Raya brings that Arteta likes, you know, the p- patience on possession, ability to draw the press. Um, I still think he could be what I would like want to see from him if he wants to change this is more aggression, like sweeper aggression. Coming out, I was watching this today for a piece I'm writing on. David Raya comes for so many crosses and it does lead to slightly embarrassing moments like that Mudrick cross, but he's always kind of front-footed. I think when Ramsdale came into the Arsenal setup and into the team, that was the thing everyone really grew to like about Ramsdale. And I think that faded over time. So can Ramsdale be more aggressive when the opposition has the ball and then a little bit more patient, confident get some of that swagger back that he had in, in year one when the ball's at his feet and you know I, I I'd completely agree with you like you know I don't think Arteta's minds for changing but I also kind of looking at the quality of these two I think it there's enough there's not enough either way I've always said I think Raya's slightly better but I think there's nothing there that sort of variations in form can't can't sort of change so I think you know Ramsdale got to come in and, and play for his place yeah, 100%. So what, that's at one end of the pitch. At the other end of the pitch, it's going to be interesting what Mikel does. Now, what did you make about Gabriel Jesus playing the full 90 minutes on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning for Brazil? I mean, I kind of quite liked it, only because, like, is it not a good thing for Arsenal that when Brazil have what I would kind of think is their biggest non-tournament match, probably go... I'm, I mean, people will know better than me, but I would sort of think maybe you remember going back to 2002 when they nearly didn't make the World Cup. I mean, the stakes right now for them are were very high. Um, they'd lost two games and Brazil's response immediately was, well, we need Gabriel Jesus as our number nine. Um, obviously, Mikel Arteta will have been thinking, yeah, yeah, that's fine, but do you want to take him off? Um, equally, but it's just, it's encouraging that he can come and play 90 minutes, isn't it? In in a international game that, pretty high quality not exactly you know the best of the premier league but if he can get through that i i would i would play him from the off you can always substitute him can't you um with an eye on the other games but i can't imagine anyone at arsenal was too impressed that he played the full 90 minutes i think when you come in you have not played for a month at all and you get thrown in and you play the full 90 minutes in american art brazil versus argentina (laughs) i mean that is a pretty that is a, uh, yeah, that is welcome back and a half. That is, the good thing is, like you said, it looks like he came through it unscathed, which is good. He did a couple of nice things. It was no surprise. He was a little bit rusty. Um, set up a good chance for Gabby Martinelli. Great actually. quote as well. Um, it's a yeah, great quote. interesting quote. Uh, people have like, I talked about that in my shows this morning. Um, so I'm surprised that it seems to have been picked up the way that it has. I suppose it's weird when you see a striker say that, it's not his strong finishing or scoring goals isn't his strong point, but we kind of know that it's yeah. not a secret, is it? It's Gabriel Jesus. The finishing isn't probably it's not a bad point. He's, he's still a good finisher. He scores some very good goals, but when you look at all of Gabriel Jesus's attributes and you say what's his strongest thing, finishing wouldn't be at the top, would it? So I don't think he's not said anything that no one already knew. I thought, yeah, it's sort of social media in twenty twenty four, isn't it? That sort of 
a footballer gives a, an honest answer for once and people go, well, why has he done that? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a goal of the, every other game striker, isn't he? That's what he was for Arsenal. And, you know, there are other strikers out there who, who are a goal every, nearly every game, but they're pretty few and far between and very few of them offer everything in the build-up that, that Jesus does. And maybe what he meant is, look, I'm not, I'm not a finisher, but look at all that XG I get. I get so much XG. Um, I mean, he's good. Like, yeah, it's. So you start. I, I, you'd start. I would start. Him. I would. It's a big game, isn't it? It's a great opportunity. I, I think, you know, you, you can always play him for an hour, uh, especially if the game's decided. But, but I think, you know, I was. I mean, I don't want to contradict what I was saying earlier, but Arteta has to kind of be aware that whatever the result earlier in the day, there's a chance for Arsenal to just push ahead of at least one of those teams. Um, and given Spurs, Aston Villa the next day, this could be a sort of a game that sort of changes the, the conversation and the the momentum around Arsenal a little bit. And it's also just, I would say, probably the hardest game Arsenal have got on the fixture list for, for a little while. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Who who's next weekend? Wolves at home. Yeah, so it, Wolves, Luton, like good Wolves are a good team, but Brentford away is the big test on their calendar for the next few weeks. So yeah, yeah, Villa, I would Villa Park, away at Villa Park on the 9th of December. That's the, the sort of tough one that's looming. Yeah, but I mean that's far away enough that you can't kind of allow your thoughts to. It's, I mean, it sounds like you wouldn't. I and mean, we're thinking Trossard up top. I well, I I think he'll probably go with Trossard up top. I I, I just mm. think back to what he did with Thomas Party when Party went away with Ghana last time and played in those international breaks, and then he came back. And he didn't play him. I can't remember what game it was, but he didn't play him, did he? He was going to then start him against Sevilla on the Tuesday night, but he got the injury yeah. on the training session on the Monday. And he said afterwards, he said, we deliberately didn't play him after he got back because the plan was we'll play him on Tuesday night. We don't want to overload him. He hasn't played much. He got those games for Ghana. And I wonder if Arsenal's thinking will be similar to that. You know, Jesus has not played for a month. He suddenly got a full 90 minutes mm. in one of the most intense physical games you could possibly play in and then flown halfway back around the world. You know, obviously they'll look at him at training and the yeah. doctors will give him an assessment. If they're totally confident that he's fine, then they might well play him. But I, I wouldn't be surprised, put it that way, if Trossard starts. I mean, Trossard's played well going into the international break, scored a couple of goals. He scored for Belgium during the international break. So he's on form, he's confident. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. And I wouldn't be disappointed if Jesus is on the bench and Trossard's at nine, Yeah, put it, put it that way. But um, one yeah. one little plus point to, to mention, I think this is different to how it's been in years gone by, is that this, certainly the Brazil-Argentina game being on the Tuesday does mean like you're talking as good a rest as a as a Premier League player can get. But So you've not quite talked me around is what I'm saying, but uh, yeah. I do I see they, your point of view. The Brazilian Federation, they laid on a private jet to fly all the English-based players back sort of straight after the game. So I think they would have arrived, whether they were at Colney yesterday, I don't know, but they would have, you know, certainly be home yesterday. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see. But it's a big choice to make. When you kind of look at the choices Arteta's got to make, really, for that game, I think, obviously, goalkeeper, it's not really a choice because it's, it's forced upon him. But elsewhere, a lot depends on what happens with Ben White. If Ben White's fit enough mm -hmm. to play, if not, then, you know, Tommy Asu, you'd imagine, will be a right-back. Zinchenko will be over at left-back. We know his centre-backs were going to be. You know, if White is fit, which we hope he will be, and plays at right back, then what do you do at left back? <laughs> Again, when you kind of look at the way Brentford play, you look at their strengths, you look at throwing long balls into the box, long throws into the box, who do you want to be there dealing with those? Yeah. 
probably feels like a Tommy Asu game than, than the Zinchenko match. Funny you should say that. Which Arsenal player over the last season and a bit has the best aerial duels percentage in the team? You're going to tell me Zinchenko now, aren't you? Zinchenko. And we know really? he leaps. He leaps, doesn't he? He's he like does a it. salmon remember, when the ball the, in comes in. The, the Tottenham game last year, the 2-0 at Spurs, when Zinchenko just was brilliant and he, he won he won so many headers that day i remember thinking god he's got a good he's got a good leap on him um, yeah but despite those stats i still think i still feel more confident with long throws being yeah. held into the boxes with tommy Asu standing at one of the posts than zinchenko i have to say um so what do you reckon predicted 11 wise i would probably say if everyone's you know, barring any injuries and Ben White's fit, I'd say probably Ramsdale and goal, White right back, Saliba Gabriel. I'd say Tommy, but mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if it's Sinchenko. Are we going Jorginho, Declan Rice and Odegaard again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is... Jorginho, Declan Rice, Odegaard, then Saka, Martinelli, and then one of Trossard or, or Jesus, depending on what decision they come to with Jesus, I suppose. Um, yeah, can't imagine it's going to be too much different than that. There's not going to be any real sort of big surprises again, barring something's happened that we don't know about in training or, or anything like that. Yeah, not in the slightest. I mean, I, yeah, I would pick Jesus to lead that lead that line, but otherwise, I've got the same team as you. Yeah, um, it helps, doesn't it? Having a settled ish eleven, or yeah, settled nine. Yeah, it does, and hopefully, he's got some players coming back fairly soon. Obviously, no Emil Smith Rowe; he's not back yet. No Thomas Party, of course, but. You know, having Jesus back, Odegaard back is a big, big boost. Um, you know, Arsenal just a much better team when you got those two players in there yeah. in and around it, aren't they? Right, I'm going to move on now. I'm looking I'm forward dreading to this. this. I'm looking forward to this. This was a glory. I mean, you've seen it. I sent you this actually. You I have, and yes. If, you, if you're watching or you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, it is. Let me just check it out. I can't actually remember who who the um. Who it was. It was an American. It was NBC Sports. NBC. Yeah. yeah so NBC it, it hurts me to praise this, but it was very good. Sat down with William Saliba and uh, they played a little game of him naming some previous Arsenal players. And the highlight, no doubt, was when Philip Senderos popped up and he uh, he thought he, his answer was Sean Dyke. <laughs> is it, is it <laughs> I mean, when you see that picture, you sort of go, okay. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I don't know not, who will be more it's offended. It's not the worst answer. It's not the worst answer. And I wouldn't, I'm not sure I'd really expect William Saliba to know who Philip Senderos is or was. So it's it's not the worst answer. But this gave me a little idea. And now if you're listening to this on podcast format, then it's probably next few minutes isn't going to be the best for you because it is going to be very much be a visual thing. So I've, thought, I've brought up four former Arsenal players from around the last... I feel like I'm going to get harder ones than from William. You're definitely going to get harder ones than William Saliba. I mean, that wouldn't even, it wouldn't be a game, would it? If you got easier ones, but I still think you should get them, though. Um, oh I'll God! Be, I'll, I'll be surprised if you don't get them. Um, so yeah, this is the game. James Benj names the former Arsenal players. So right, let's go with number one. The number is putting me off. But that's, is that not Davo Suka? <laughs> it's not Davo Suka, no. Although it does that's actually not... look kind of like it. It's very much the same era. <laughs> oh, look at that. We got him on. Got him <laughs> on the first one. I'm done on the first one. Uh, Nineteen. Let's see if I. So can we're give talking. Please. N- mid like late nineties. 
He scored one goal for Arsenal. Is it Oleg Luzhny? And that was on his debut. That's not Oleg Luzhny, is it? No. He scored one goal for Arsenal, and that was on his debut in a League Cup game against Preston, which you can see there celebrating. Um, Arsenal signed him from Kaiserslautern. No, they didn't. Sorry, they signed him from uh, 1860 Music Munich, and they sold him to Kaiserslautern. No. No. Stefan Maltz. Oh, a Wenger, I mean, the name uh, rings a bell. Uh, one of uh, uh, Wenger's um, ones that didn't quite work out. No, how we say? Oh, God, well, talking this of which, this is a bad start. Oh, Sorry, this is dead air. We can't have dead He's air. Going to be two for two here. I am going to be two for two. Is that Christopher Ray? It's not Christopher Ray. It's not. But I, I think I can give you a clue of this one that you would probably get it because we've spoken about this game before. Think of Nelson Vivas at the back post against Leeds in 1999. You know what? I, I'm, I am going to go B2 for two. I have, still have no idea. It's Cabadiawara. Cabadiawara. Who missed, or he hit, must have hit the woodwork in that Leeds game three or four times in my memory. In a, which, yeah, in my defense, these ones you picked out, I was like eight or nine. I am, you know, I'm really hoping we push more towards the 2010s now. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Thomas Heisfeld, yes, he's got one right. Well, he's got one. (laughs) Thank God he's got one. Yeah, so that's Uh, one out of three. And the last one coming up, who is this player? Oh, like. It's French, isn't he? Yes. Uh, he's a defender, isn't he? Yes. Left back. Uh, le- and he's, yeah. And I just can't put a name to him. Oh, God. Went to QPR, played at QPR. Oh, um, Traore. Armand yes. Traore. There you go. Two out of four. That wasn't too bad. Two, it's a gentleman score, that, isn't it? That wasn't Armand bad. Armand Traore. He was the one. He was the one that got away. 50 50. There you go. So, look. Are you better than William, William Saliba? Probably. His are a lot easier. I don't, I don't think William Saliba would have got any. Oh, he might have got Troyore, actually. He might, he might have got Cabadiawara, actually. For his, I mean, uh, for all we know, like Saliba was playing dumb and is deeply versed in Arsenal. I, I, I'd actually like to see every Arsenal player do this. Ideally, this version of it as well. I want to see who would beat me. Um, who is the sort of the, the toppest gooner, so to speak? Who knows the most? Yeah, so there you go. Four, two out of four, not too bad. I don't, you don't need to hang your head in shame at that one, mate. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right. Um, what did you make actually while, while you were away and you said you were off for that day, but what, what have you made of the whole Everton thing? 10 points deduction. There's going to be big protests at Goodison this weekend. Wouldn't fancy being, it was it, it's Man United. <laughs> it's Man United. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't fancy being Man United uh, going yeah. to that one. It's going to be a bit of a bear pit at Goodison, I imagine. 10 point deduction. What did you make of it all? I, um, you know, I thought the sort of, I thought the deduction was a, about right. Just kind of, I mean, obviously the Premier League are making the, the rules up where they, as they kind of, as they go along, but we do have to say, even given COVID and everything, the amount of money Everton have lost is, you know, especially bear in mind, they deduct out everything that's sort of for the new stadium, for the women's team, you know, you can put a lot of money in your losses and the Premier League won't account for it. So you're talking nearly 120 million um, after all those deductions. And I mean, that's three times or four times her UEFA's FFP limits. And I mean, you can't, you can't like run a club like that, can you? And there has to be some sort of threat to stop the next Everton because, you know, I do look at some clubs for a while. I thought this about Aston Villa, although they've started to recruit really more shrewdly. And I do just think, are you actually, you know, kind of gone a bit mad and living beyond your means and, and spending huge amounts of money in pursuit of something that you probably can't get anyway. So I thought the punishment was reasonable. Um, also, I think there's that little bit, isn't there? I don't know about you. I, I still think they'll be absolutely fine. I don't think they'll get relegated. Yeah, this so is there's get hit with a ten point. Is, back, it? It, um, I think they'll be probably now like a bit near, like maybe they'll only be four or five points clear, but I think they should be okay. I don't know. What do you think? I, I it's hard. I, mean, I, I know everyone wants to talk about City and all the allegations which they deny. Um, but this is, you know, it's running your club incredibly irresponsibly. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be a punishment. Whether 10 points is right and whether it stays at 10 points, I doubt. I imagine yeah. it is going to get reduced on appeal. Maybe it'll end up being a sort of six points or something like that. But they, that, there it comes a point when you've got to start punishing teams for 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 breaking the rules. And obviously, I think a lot of people are looking at this and thinking the Premier League are doing this now to show that they can get their house in order. They don't need an independent regulator and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, if teams do break the rules that are very much laid out there for everyone to adhere to, if you're no matter if you no matter if you um help with the investigation which we know Everton have done and they think that should be taken eventually you, you still need to be punished yeah and it was eventually mm-hmm. as well you still need to be punished so uh, it's hard to say if it's a harsh harsh um penalty or not because it's just we've not seen one of these penalties before so you've mm. got to start somewhere and um I, I i kind of i feel sorry for Everton in a way but then i also think like you they've kind of brought this on themselves and yeah if you if that's the way you sort of operate, you've got to accept which the punishment gets dished out. And this is what the punishment is. And um, yeah, I do also think like you, that if this is the season to get that sort of punishment, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> They're not going to go down, go down because of it. So I think they'll be fine and it'll all be forgotten. And I do think they'll probably end up getting it reduced on appeal anyway, but it does say it, it is a big, big precedent. And when you've got what's coming down the line of Manchester city and potentially Chelsea as well, then, you know, the premier league of, sort of set mm. their set their um i don't even know how to finish that sentence but that you know they've, it's a high bar isn't it it's a high bar yeah but they have set their bar now and and it's like how do you follow it what do, what do you do now it's just one charge for a team that that mm. like you said although slightly 
belatedly, they did help out an investigation on Manchester City. You've got 115 charges and a team that are fighting tooth and nail to stop the Premier League's investigation in every single route that they're going down. And <laughs> right, right the way to Lord Panic uh, being an Arsenal fan, famously, yeah. and, uh, even though their own uh, lawyer is an Arsenal fan as well. Oh, and one yeah. other thing, though, just on the regulated thing, and I want to get your take on this, what did you think about the Premier League voting or not voting to uh, block third-party yeah. loans? I thought that was pretty... That You know, if I'm trying to stave off an independent regulator, I might have just voted in favour of that because, you know, what, what use is it to Sheffield United, like, yeah. for instance? Sheffield United owned by the Saudis, aren't they? Mm, indeed. That, yeah, which so indeed. I think when you look at the list of the, the names of the clubs who voted against it, it's you know it's everyone's protecting their own interests, isn't it? It just feels to me like this shouldn't be a Premier League thing. It should be a, a, a football-wide thing that comes down, yeah. you know, from FIFA or UEFA or whoever sets the rules there. You know, because if you're leaving it to the leagues, then the clubs in within those leagues are all going to protect their own interests really and you can I can totally understand why Manchester City would say no why Newcastle would say no why Chelsea would say no because of the way they operate because of the multi-club models that they're sort of that mm. they have I mean obviously Piff we know own the four big clubs in Saudi Arabia and, and Newcastle as well so why would they why would they stop themselves from being able to potentially loan players to each other and help each other and help each other out you know why would City do that this whole part of the business model that they've built with the City Football Group, the same with Chelsea and what they're trying to do and Todd Bowley's trying to do. So it just feels to me that it shouldn't be something that the Premier League need to um, mm. push through themselves. It should it should be taken out of their hands and, and um, yeah, sort of brought in, a rule should be brought in at the very, very top of football that, that stops it. Because if you leave it to the leagues, then this is always going to happen. It, I do wonder about the whole, you know, what did it need to be? It needed to be a 12... No, it needed to be a 14. 14 and it got through, 12. Didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah 12, 12 and 8. It's like, does that really need... Yeah, should that be looked at? Not that mm. I think now they'll be able to be changed, but... Um... I mean, it's it's an interesting question, like Arsenal, um, because effectively now it, it's open season. Like, you know, Newcastle were... were, were it always looked unlikely they were going to get Ruben Neves, but there are a lot of talented players there that they could get... Uh, a fair market, but fa favourable in the fair market deal on. But, you know, you see City with access to teams like Girona, who are doing great in La Liga. It's a great place for them to park players. Chelsea are doing the same thing, aren't they, with Strasbourg. Um, United are going to have that with Nice. You almost feel like Arsenal and, and KSE, if you want to keep up with the rate of progress in the Premier League, you possibly are going to find you actually need some European teams to to stash your, your projects. You know, how much easier would William Saliba's development have been if Arsenal owned or KSE owned a club in France? Mm. And I, I really don't like the idea that now to compete and be one of the big six Premier League teams, you need what is like a, a sort of equivalent of like in baseball, you have the, what you call the feeders, you know, the, those lower leagues that feed up. But, <laughs> you know, if you're Edu, you must be thinking... Well, you know, I like this guy in Croatia. I like this guy in Mexico, but I can't bring them straight to Arsenal most of the time. It would be really helpful to have an effectively formal relationship with a team that I can go. You take him. You you work on him for us. Mm. It's not good, but that might be what Arsenal need. Okay, oh, if you winded the clock back, they used to have it. They were basically one of the first clubs to ever yeah. do it. You know, Steve Morrow headed it up. Wenger brought it in. 
and they kind of headed up. They had Beveren, didn't they, over in Belgium, who a lot mm-hmm. of players went through. Uh, yeah, I remember Graham Stack was there, and the Tories, I think, were there, weren't they? And um, Bouet, I can't remember. There was definitely players who were who sort of took part of that partnership, and Arsenal benefited from it. But mm. Arsenal shut that shut that project down, and so they have to reopen it again. And whether they do, it's definitely an interesting one. I do get quite a lot of questions from people asking about that, and whether I think it'd be a good idea. And like you, it does feel like if everyone else is doing doing it, and everyone else is benefit in from it then you do run the risk of kind of being left behind in a way if that's the way football is now going to operate and if rules are if these rules aren't going to be brought in that's going to stop it then you know are you hurting yourself by doing it when you know whether the Cronkies would want to do that whether they have the um manpower to do it you know it'd be a big commitment from them I think they've obviously their main interests are all over in the states aside from Arsenal and so it'd be a big shift if they decided to move into European football even more and 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 got themselves another club and who would run that and you know it's all stuff for them to sort out I suppose but I imagine it's something that that you would think has definitely been discussed behind the scenes yeah I mean we should also briefly before we go too deep into it Arsenal do within the system they have they do well I always quite like the stuff they did with the loan market so you see Millwall get a lot of Arsenal's best young players Mm. Dan Ballard Brooke Norton Cuffey's on loan at their now because that's a club they trust they players um michael is it michael appleton i think is the coach who pretty much everywhere he goes he gets a top arsenal loanee because he's been proven he's proven to arsenal that they can trust him with their with their top talent um so they do what they do well but it's you know i mean and even going back to the partnerships they had before it's very different isn't it when you own that club and you can run it fundamentally for the benefit of the football group and effectively the, the teams at the top of that football group, like like mm. City can do, like Chelsea are going to be able to do with, with Strasbourg. Yeah. Interesting to see how Arsenal, what Arsenal are doing, if the sort of way they operate in the loan market changes now that Ben Knapp has gone. Mm. Um, yes, it's true. Haven't, haven't haven't got a replacement in for him yet. And they're going to have to do that at some point because he was a very important figure at that club. Right, let's move on to some of our some questions now, shall we? Um, I've got a very interesting question at the end for you, actually, oh. specifically for you. Um, here's one from Dotty Dot Dot <laughs> says hi Charles and James I think any of Smith Rowe Nelson and Ramsdale are the three players that we are most likely to sell in either January or the summer who would also bring in decent money my question is how much would you be wanting Arsenal to receive for each of them personally I don't want Smith Rowe to go however it does feel somewhat likely given his status in the squad when he's not injured yeah difficult one this mm. one for me um the Ramsdale one, I think, is really interesting. Like I've, I was talking about this earlier on one of my videos I did earlier in the week, and I was saying, I think I, it was like a throwaway comment, like you know, Arsenal could get big money for Ramsdale, and then someone replied to that, saying, "But could they really? Because a club's going to start, you know, bid big money for Ramsdale, knowing that he is now number two, and that Raya's establishing himself as number one." And I was like, yeah, I can understand that argument, but this is still Aaron Ramsdale we're talking about. This is still an England international goalkeeper, a Premier League proven goalkeeper who was one of, the, you know, was up for the whatever the, the Yashin trophy. Yashin trophy. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and he's got a long-term contract, and so I, I still think Arsenal can get decent money for Aaron Ramsdale, but a lot of that money, if they do sell him, they still have to pay Brentford for David Raya. That's one thing, isn't yeah. it? That we can, we can, we. We, seem, we tend to forget an awful lot that he's not actually an Arsenal player yet. So Arsenal are going to have to pay another £30 million to get David Raya in the summer. So if you get, say you get, I don't know, what would you say for Ramsdale 
40 million, 40, million. To, yeah, 40 50 if you can sort of draw a couple of teams into the into the market which should be doable he's probably going to be the best goalkeeper on the market the only the, the only thing is i do think when you look at clubs who could afford that sort of money they tend to now just be either saudi arabia and i cannot see how mm-hmm. around to go saudi arabia <laughs> no. um or or english clubs yeah and, that, and that's it who could sort of bid that sort of money for those sort of players and you know whether chelsea potentially i don't know but you look at the other clubs who have got big big money there you know yeah. where, where could he go Bayern is the other like as a sort of yeah long-term Neuer replacement but then Neuer's not like so old I mean you're then just swapping benches really aren't you how old's Neuer I'm looking that up now 37 Neuer, Neuer's not buying number one though now is he I thought he was now he's back oh god this I is bad he this played is last he's played recently he gets yeah boy he was out injured wasn't he with this little skiing no oh I see but you know at 37 they'll they'll need to be thinking about that long term i mean chelsea are the other one i don't think sanchez was their idea of the the number one goalkeeper probably um but yeah i mean and isn't this the the thing with all these other players like smithrow and nelson as well like i mean smithrow there's a good market for um we know i think you're looking you're still looking 35 40 million pounds for emil smithrow i think if you yeah but like you say it's it's how many clubs are there then you have to find the lots of clubs like him it's the same with nelson isn't it loads of clubs like reese nelson how many of them have him like top of the list like we've got to have you know which manager is hammering on his chief executive's door going we have to have reese nelson at 100 grand a week and 25 million to arsenal as opposed to you know what can we pick up in europe for half the price and half the wages mm. I think they're all going to be harder to sell than we think. And because yeah. we said at this stage uh, a year ago, we were talking about Kieran Tierney is going to be 50 million pounds and he got zero million pounds. Yeah. It doesn't help that Arteta, when you're out of a favor with Arteta, you are so far out that the whole world and his wife knows about it. Mm. And that was the challenge with Ramsdale. It's come the summer. What are you kind of ask? Bidding clubs will go, well, what are you going to do, Arsenal? Just keep him on your books as, a, as an unhappy number two. He must want to go. You want to do the right thing. You're going to have to sell him, and you're going to have to sell him to us for a lot less than you think you, he's worth. Mm. Yeah, it's not going to be an easy one. I, I do agree. But I still think there's enough stock in Ramsdale and his age. Mm. The fact he's still you know, he's still an England regular in the squad, I, I still think they can push for, for a decent amount of money for him. So yeah. I'd put him as the highest of the lot. I'd probably have Smith Rowe. And if Smith Rowe plays, which is before this injury looked like he was, you know, working his way back into it, and he, mm. you know he was going to be featuring, you know, I still think there's going to be a, there would be a, a fairly decent market for Smith Rowe where you can get around the sort of thirty five million. I think, you know, Nelson probably what fifteen twenty million. You're probably looking yeah. at something like that. But that's more um, than you would have got, isn't it? Yeah, a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, thank you very much for that question. This is a bit of a quick fire round oh. here from. Um, I think I don't know how you pronounce that first word. Aria Freak 6444. Hi, Charles. Mr. Benigno. Benigno. Is that like that's it? A, yeah, that's like a new it. one. Never heard it before. I've definitely never called you that before. A quick fire round for you. Probably should have given you a little bit more notice. On no, I, would, I like doing it like that. This one. Um, so, best Emirates goal ever? A Giroud Scorpion kick. Okay, I'm going to go Jack Wiltshire against Norwich. Best yeah. Emirates moment ever. Because I was there, I will go for Reese Nelson against uh, 
Bournemouth. I mean, the other one for me, but I only saw it on TV, was is Arshavin against yeah. Barcelona. They, I, I think I'm going to give it to Reese Nelson as well. And I, I wasn't sure if Arshavin had ever beat tops, and I was there, and it was unbelievable. Um, like, really unbelievable. Wellbeck against Leicester again. Wellbeck Leicester, absolutely yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Thierry Henry's header in the last minute against United in, like, 06 uh, was brilliant. But Reese Nelson, I've never experienced anything like that. Mm. Reese Nelson goal. Uh, just the celebrations, the noise, everyone storming onto the pitch was just... Yeah, that's that wins it for me. Best Emirates moment. Urzel or Sanchez? Uh, Urzel, just more my type of player. Uh, Sanchez for me. Kazola or Ramsey? This is like choosing between my children. <laughs> yes, but deep down, you know you have a child you prefer in much the same way that I know. I, ha- I respect Aaron Ramsey. I rate Aaron Ramsey. I, I love Santi Kazola. Yeah. Same, same. Kazola gets it for me. Monreal or Gibbs? Uh, oh, Nacho. Nacho. Mr. 7 out of 10. Great in the mix zone as well. Yeah, Nacho for me. Giroud or Lacazette? <laughs> this isn't even a question. Giroud. Yeah, Giroud for me. Oh, although, Olympiacos. No, Monaco as well. All those games. The, Mon- yeah, the Monaco game. Still, still Giroud for me. Still Nacho. Giroud for me. It's not. I, I don't even have that as close, that one. Uh, and Parler or Lundberg. This, God, this is really hard. <laughs> I don't I don't want to not pick Freddie, but I really want to pick Ray. Because I was talking, you know what? It's solely, I can't pick this. So I have to go for which person drank a Cobra bomb for Her Majesty out of respect. Raymondo it is. I'm going for Parler as well. And I love Freddie. <laughs> absolutely loved him. I, love I have Freddie on my shirt back in the day. But um, Parler is just one of my all-time favourite Arsenal players. And actually, I was going to say he's a big game player, but so is Lundberg. They were both absolutely yeah. big game players. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Ray for that. So thank you very much. What I else like have we got here? This is one that was um, just on Vieira. I wanted to talk about Fabio Vieira. He's been linked with Marseille. His French reports saying that Marseille are very much in for Vieira on loan, potentially in January. Um, you know, whether Arsenal would entertain that, I don't know. But I was just thinking, would you... Well, would, do you reckon it'd actually be a, quite a good thing for Fabio Vieira to go on? And, you know, he came over here very young, having not only just really broken into the Porto mm. team and got thrown straight into the Premier League. Do we, you know, and I don't want to make excuses for Fabio Vieira why he's not really hit the ground running at Arsenal, but do we maybe need to think that he is still a really young player who has not played that much first in football? Yeah. Um, would a loan actually, you know, potentially rather than just signalling the end of his Arsenal career, could it actually be a good thing for him to go out to another you know get out of the Premier League for a little bit go somewhere play play well kind of do what he was doing for Porto start racking up the kind of numbers well hopefully racking up the kind of numbers he was doing for Porto and then come back to Arsenal rather than sort of sitting on the bench it's it's an interesting one I don't I'm not sure Arsenal are in a position where the strong's that the squad is that strong where they can really Mm. do that with certain players especially someone like Vieira who does feature a fair bit but I do wonder if it might be quite a good thing for him to go out there conditional on Arsenal getting another midfielder, which we kind of know is maybe the more likely deal to be done in January, then I think you, you, it would be a good move for Vieira because it, it you, you see that we see the talent quite often, but, you know, we Arsenal supporters understandably get frustrated by the lack of consistency. I'm sure Vieira does as well, but how can you be consistent in your performances if you're being selected so infrequently? Mm. So... I think you know, yeah. If he's if he's playing week in week out, that is so much better for for his development. It's you're, you're absolutely right to say, like, you know, this this guy is still young. It's it's a 
tough environment for someone to develop in if they're not, you know, starting week in, week out. And we've also seen, I think, the French League is quite a good proving ground for Premier League football. And obviously, Marseille did quite a good job with William Saliba. I think they can be, you know, trusted. Like we were saying earlier about teams like Millwall. I Yeah, if it, if if another midfielder comes in, I, I think it'd be a good, good, great move for Vieira, good move for Arsenal. Yeah. Do you think if they were to let him go on loan, do you think that would be a bit of an admission, though, that maybe they're, they're thinking this isn't quite working? You know, would it? Do you, do you would you view it as a like, yeah, that's probably the end. You know, when Arsenal sent out Guendouzi, I know it's different. Because yeah, they've gone on with Guendouzi, but you kind of knew with certain players when they go out on loan, it's not a case of going there to develop. It's going there just to get them out of the way before they can eventually try and move them on. Do you think that would be the case if they did? Would you get those sort of vibes if Arsenal let Vieira go in in January, or would you think it maybe is more with a long term picture to him coming back and and still having a bit of a, a go here? I would say it, it is a. It's a move for the sort of first team to give him a chance. I mean, obviously, it's an admission that some things have not gone right, that they can't give him them. But it's more an admission of we think we aren't giving him the minutes his talent deserves because it's pretty clear Arteta rates him really highly. That, I mean, there were other differences with with Gwenduzi, but but in the end, I don't think Arteta sort of saw the talent um, to sort of justify the, the temperament. And I think Arteta really... From what I hear, he really, really rates Vieira quite highly, but he he knows it's a it's a tough tough spot. So yeah, and if not Vieira, I mean, same you could have the same conversation about Smith Rowe. I think one of the two would benefit from from a loan move and then getting another shot next season. I wouldn't be giving up on either of them. Cool. Right, this one is absolutely for you. And while you're answering this, I'm going to have a quick look around uh, because I did ask for people to send in questions and. I haven't given them that long to do it. So while we're recording, I want to see if anyone has sent anything else in that we can talk about. But this one is for you. Um, <laughs> said, notice that James had talked about playing Hogwarts Legacy and getting the ultimate Spider-Man comic in one yes. of Yes! Have you played Spider-Man 2? And what are your thoughts on Hogwarts Legacy not getting nominated for Game of the Year? Cheers. Brilliant. Right. I've got... Don't worry, Charles. You've got time aplenty. Uh, I have played Spider-Man 2. I thought it was magnificent. Really well done story-wise. Um, I'm actually 100% in it, which I've hardly ever done with any games. And I do think there's this sort of thing of like, oh, it feels like by AAA standards, a little bit, a little bit light on content. But you know what? In the end, the, when the content's good, I just think I could always go back and play it. And nowadays with some of those big games, when you complete it, I mean, Charles, I know you're working, but I'm sure when you were more of an avid gamer before children came along, you would kind of go, there'd be games you'd go back and sort of replay every year or so, weren't there? Um, you know, like I remember Metal Gear Solid 2 for me. Um, Zelda. Zelda. Yeah, because there were sort of a decent amount of time, but they weren't like 100 hours, which is what, you know, some of the like big Assassin's Creed games are. Mm. And you complete that and you're like, God, couldn't get through that again. Um, as good as they are. Uh, as for Hogwarts Legacy, I'm not surprised they didn't get nominated for Game of the Year. It's quite fun. I love all the sort of little bits and bobs you can do. I've just got into breeding thestrals, <laughs> which I hope Charles has no clue about. What um, about? You've read the Harry Potter books, right? I've and never the read the books and I've only ever watched one of the films. No. God, you're too old. Um, but it's sort of like, it's a bit clunky, a bit sort of mechanic, like, 
I mean, there's still bugs in the in the thing now. Like I've been playing it like six months after release, so I don't. I mean, it's not like a game of the year. It's not as good as Spider Man Two. It's good fun. The story though is absolutely dreadful. Um, I, it's past the time. I got it cheap. I'm not. I don't regret getting it because it's it's past the time. But um, no Spider Man Two. Uh, no. Uh, what else? I mean, I actually have time. People no, watching this, give me I your give me your video game recommendations because I've stopped playing FIFA, so I have time to do other things. You're asking me that. You're asking the viewers. The viewers, because I know I you're say, uh, probably no use to me. Or wouldn't ask me that. Uh, uh, yeah, I just reply Zelda and say just go back to the N64 and play Goldeneye, the greatest computer game ever oh. made. Um, okay, look, I've got another one here from Brian. If anyone's still watching or listening after James watched, <laughs> uh, James Bench's computer game review, uh, here's one quickly from James. He says. Uh, uh, sorry, from Brian. It says, although off topic, it's connected to the January and summer transfer speculation. Do you consider any Arsenal players world class? My reason here is I think it affects Arsenal's ability to pursue and sign the best available players worldwide. Um, do I first. consider any Arsenal players world class? Yes, absolutely, I do. Uh, William Saliba, world class. Bukayo Saka, world class. Mm. Um, oh, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, I'd say Gabriel Martinelli's world class. I think he yeah. goes in. I mean, he's maybe just on the. Mm. Depend. I don't know what 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 who is world class. What sort of players are we, are we talking about? So you sort of saying like top five in their position in the world, top ten, top, top ten. 10 I'd probably, say yes. yeah, top ten probably. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many more left wingers I'd rather have over Gabriel Martinelli for Arsenal right now. I definitely not right wingers. So I'd get. I, you know, I'd have Salah, isn't it? It's the only one that's Saka, clearly yeah. better than Salah. the only one who's up there when it comes to you know, who I'd write if I had a choice of any other player playing ahead of Bukayo Saka. You know, William Saliba, one hundred percent, I would have him there. Martin Odegaard, I'd have him there mm-hmm. in that in that bracket in that bracket. So, yeah, I think Arsenal have got plenty, and I think they've got loads as well. Maybe players like Martinelli as well, who are right sort of pushing to be yeah. classified in that in that sort of category up right against the the world's best even gabriel jesus to be fair you know when gabriel jesus is good there are very few players who are as good as him uh around this one um gabriel as well i'd probably say uh, center back i think he's that good still right, missed who, one who have i missed you, i don't think you said the words declan rice oh yeah declan rice 100 <laughs> percent, of course yep. declan rice you know there's barely anyone i'd rather have in midfield than declan rice in that sort of role so so yeah i think arsenal got plenty of world-class players yeah and I think even if you're being sort of harsh in your definition of world class, you know, Rice is top five in this in this position in the world. Saliba's top five. I mean, we've you know we've said higher Saka as well. Um, and then, like you say, there's so many people. You could make a case for Gabriel, Erdegaard, Jesus, Martinelli. That's an enviable. And the thing is, if with some of them, if you don't think they're world class yet it's not that hard to sort of see the future where they develop into that Erdegaard 24 Martinelli younger Gabriel 24 um and especially kind of some, you know guys like Gabriel and Erdegaard that's a position where they probably are a fair few years off their peak so um yeah and they're also sort of the list of players that I sort of wouldn't sell for anything that doesn't have uh isn't in nine figures yeah um, it's a good position to be in isn't it yeah, it is a good position to be. I think I, I saw something recently that have Arsenal got the most valuable squad in the world. In one of the, it, I can't remember who did it, but sort of tying up what their players are worth, what the squad the squad players are worth. Arsenal certainly had, if not the most valuable. That's squad the problem why the they world. can't sell any of them because they're too expensive. Yeah, well, the players that you want, that you 
we'd absolutely not want them to sell. That's where all the value is. And then maybe mm-hmm. some of the uh, other players don't quite have that value. But I think a lot of that is when you look at the age and you look at the contract lengths that they've got because they've all signed new contracts fairly recently. That's just the sort of value of the squad has just gone up and up and up. Um, right, we're approaching... Oh, Ben hour. White. Oh, yeah, Ben White. We didn't even mention Ben White. Of course, who, fingers crossed, will be fit for this game against Brentford. Are you there on Saturday? Are you going? I am. I'm looking forward to it. I'm yeah, doing that I'm... and the City game. Double, double... Tri- well, no, not at the City game, but after TV. I, yeah, no, I'll be there on Saturday, so I'll see you there. I'm not at Colney tomorrow because it's a 9.30 press conference start, which Thanks. school run rules that out for me on a Friday, unfortunately. So I'll have to watch it on the, uh, on the website. But uh, yeah, I'll see, you, uh, I'll see you at Brentford on Saturday. Until then, everyone, thank you very much for watching. I'll be back tomorrow to do my usual show after Mikel Arteta's press conference. Uh, you can follow James Benjo over on Twitter, of course. And, uh, and myself as well. And we'll be back next week at some point. Well, we've got it's Champions League week next week, isn't it? We've got Lons on Wednesday night. Wednesday. So maybe we'll do a Thursday show reacting to that game. Well, yeah. I imagine I'll be at Colney. You're going to be at Colney for the presser on Tuesday ahead of that in the open training? Yeah, I think I might well do that. Yeah, actually. I'll be there for that as Timing well. So, um, yeah, probably won't have time to do a show on Tuesday ahead of it. So we'll do post-match reaction show on Thursday. Um, Until then, everyone, have a very good day. Thanks for joining us all. I'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.